you do everything they tell you. Just what are you after? You'll be taking us to the payroll vault. That's insane. Oh, we die together. I can't open the vault. Time check. Falling behind. Go, we'll finish. Didn't you hear me? I don't control the vault. It's on a code from the airbase. It's done remotely. Keep lying and it'll be a short night for you. We know about the vault and how it works. We need your hand to key the sensor. We can take just that if you prefer. You'll never make it out. You better pray we do. You have no idea. One path, one choice. We win or everyone dies. We're approaching 200 hours of Star Wars on film. This is Star Wars Binge, where we select, order, and elevate the best 40 hours in the Star Wars canon. My name's Jeff Cook. I'm a philosopher in Greeley, Colorado, and Denver is the beginning of the shed. Actor, playwright, and pop culture enthusiast. That is true. This is the sound of my voice. By the shed, we are joined again by the great TJ Wilson. Hello, hello. TJ is a personality typing expert and pop culture savant gonna help us break down some andor this is gonna be a two-parter for us speaking for mothershed i hope <laughs> we'll see i enjoyed andor so much it was like yes this needs to get spoken of now thankfully you all likewise saw it prior uh, to to me having that revelation and said we need to talk about this but i don't know that you're as enthusiastic about this property as i am so uh this will be a good spirit uh, no. conversation I, i'm all i was excited from the beginning from the get-go and mm. and and have been in from the from jump bang tj i got lots of ways to structure this this conversation but okay. for for a week i've been hearing that there's something worth talking about in terms of andor so <sighs> should i okay. jump in or should you jump in uh well, I really, I like, I have the one big thing to say. One big so thing. So I could either say it now or I could, like, string it along throughout the whole of our, our conversation here. <laughs> Do you want to give us a general uh, uh. hint and I can bring it up when it's, it's go time? Oh, no. Because it, it, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a 30,000-foot issue. It's not, like, a specific thing. Well, why don't we, 30,000 feet up, we can just say... Here are things that this first six episodes, we haven't seen the last six episodes yet. At least I haven't seen any of them. First six episodes, what's really worth liking and what's worth saying, "Eh, I'm not so sure. I I love the world that they're creating, both from an inside of the th- taking the thing to be true. Like it, it, it feels lived in. It feels believable. It feels like Star Wars. It looks like Star Wars, and then from just the, I guess, making of it standpoint, you, you're outside. Like the 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 scope, the excuse me, the scale is there in ways that I don't feel like it has been in just shooting in the volume in in the other shows. This is this feels epic, and this feels expansive in the writing, in the production elements, in the casting, in the performances. The original Star Wars film films feel gritty and lived in, and that's what I love about them. And that's how this feels to me, and I'm mm-hmm. all about that. Yeah, I totally get that. The um, they built a lot of sets for this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not filmed like Mandalorian, and I think Bo- Book of Boba Fett, and at least some of Obi Wan is filmed in that. Um, the volume is that what it's called? Yeah, 
that that thing that's basically like instead of having a set behind you you have a big tv and that's that's fine like it it's it's cool and and they do some really cool stuff with it i'm sure it's a lot cheaper than flying an entire cast to scotland or or building a set for all of ferrix that they have to keep coming back to yep but there is something significant about these actors being in a physical place that that is really noticeable and it feels like when you have to run away you can actually shoot your actors properly running away as opposed to all right we're gonna run away turn three steps and now stop because you're gonna run into the fake wall (laughs) right 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 you don't have to telegraph that yeah i have a great hammer in my toolbox it's fantastic i use it all the time don't use it for every project there are some projects that require a screwdriver. Right. I love the volume. Use it mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. best. But there are sometimes, give me some realism. Yep. I had mentioned this just to piggyback on the world. It, I, I, I think a lot of properties are, are being reminded the world is actually a character and that this is actually the place where we enter and love it. So House of the Dragon is exactly this way. We don't know any of these characters, but... A lot of us who are Game of Thrones fans jump into the world and swim in it, love it, and enjoy it very quickly. Better Call Saul. Real similar. We know just a couple of these characters, but we love the world. We love Middle-earth. We love Gotham City. Yeah. You know, we could go on and on. The world matters. For me, this world has heart and ferocity. The TIE Fighters, which can come across as kind of, you know... Uh, what red shirts they're the 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 guys that are easily picked off here they are intimidating Mm -hmm. and for as loud as they are come out of nowhere yeah like they're able to be stealthy and they're able to be yeah a little bit scary so i i'm i'm gonna be referencing material that i learned from uh the fine folks over at decoding tv uh because i've been listening to their podcast going through uh, all of this stuff as well. And like like one of the things that's really significant, like Tony Gilroy, the guy who created this show, uh, also had a big hand in Rogue One. And and he loves he loves showing shots of these ships not in space. Mm-hmm. So you have the the Star Destroyer that's above Jetta. <sighs> yep. You have yeah. and and the 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 difference between seeing uh, a swarm of TIE fighters fly out of a, a Star Destroyer in space and seeing one fly around a mountain from the ground, it 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 reminds you that what was in space, a pawn, an infra- infantryman, like, yep. like these are the disposable ships yep. in space. But on the ground, <laughs> they'll blow a, some yeah. shit up. <laughs> that's, a mu- that's a much better way to put that. The real difference between Rise of Skywalker and Andor, I bet you they spent way more money on the visual effects in Rise of Skywalker. Mm. But the way that the visual effects are used in Andor and the character of the pieces, the pawn, even the pawns, brings so much more ferocity, um, intimidation, motive to, to those pieces as opposed to just CGI spectacle. Right. Other stuff that you like here? I like it's tangential from what I said a minute ago. I I, I like that it feel the 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 show itself feels a little 
it, it doesn't feel super adult. It doesn't feel like Game of Thrones. It's not super adult, but it doesn't feel like this is for 12 year olds. Right. Like mm-hmm. you, you see characters like pre and post, like getting it on with each other. And, Which and we've never seen in Star Wars. Nope. Uh, uh-uh. and, and you see a lot more like casual drinking and it's not just, mm-hmm. Ooh, people doing death sticks and it's all, it's dangerous. It's like, look at all these people are getting drunk at this campaign event. Mm-hmm. Um, it just it just feels the content of the show feels dictated by the story that they're trying to tell, and this is this is a darker kind of scarier world, and I yep. I really like that. I feel like you could still probably watch this with a kid. I feel like I probably would have been allowed to watch this when I was eight, ten, eight, nine, ten. Um, it's not so inappropriate, but it isn't just it's not just candy, right? We've talked about this in the past that one of the things that makes Star Wars realistic and dark ends up being the presence of the pirates, the presence of the drug runners. Here it's the presence of the brothels and the the hero is a mercenary. And that there there, there is that vocation that is on the the darker, seedier side of culture that you're like, oh, I'm not part of that, but I'm really interested in what that looks like because it's probably a, I'm on the run. I always have to be looking out. I have clear motives and I really want to escape someday kind of going on for a lot of these characters. It doesn't, Mm -hmm. so much of Star Wars and, and a lot of other stories are, these are clearly the good guys. These are clearly the bad guys. These guys are in white hats. These guys are in black hats or, or whatever. Whereas what I kind of like about this show so far, it, it, it everyone feels like they're looking over their shoulders. You don't know who to trust. You don't know who's a good guy, who's a bad guy, who is middle of the road, who who should you... The, there's there's a real like almost sense of anxiety and paranoia that I've been feeling throughout watching this that I really enjoy in a in a story like a fun you know nobody likes to feel like that in real life obviously but just to to watch it as a tale unfolding I'm here for it yep. I love how nervous and uncomfortable the world feels they keep that tension going by having some people be despicable that you were supposed mm-hmm. to trust you know mm-hmm. and I, I suppose it's the case that be aware we probably are going to spoil a lot of this I don't think we have yet but there are people that are gunned down who are part of the original company and that that creates a that feeling nobody's trustworthy here i personally think that this is 100 percent opinion inside my brain for no real reason but i i personally think that we're also going to see the other side of that sure eventually i think that we're gonna we're gonna eventually be surprised by having focused on characters that were heavily invested in the empire Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden are working with a rebellion. Right. I think that's a good call. And I think that's probably likely. Yeah. Part of the world building, in, and we see this in most movies, but absolutely in Star Wars is the music. Yeah. Nicholas Bredel does the music here. He did Succession, The Big Short. His stuff in The King is amazing. And uh, I, the the canvas, the what would you call that? The background that the music creates. I think it's been nothing but spectacular in terms of mm-hmm. I'll, I'll pair this with the pacing of the show. The pacing of the show is so slow up front. And then by, by the end of episode six, the edits are just firing. We're going here. 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 And it feels like that build 
occurs through the editing and it certainly occurs through the music mm -hmm. and and just listening to the music uh you know before before we started to record i was just like this is really a gorgeous backdrop for this kind of story because it feels like they're really letting you live in it so much of 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 TV and film lately feels like, all right, get to the moments, get to the moments. People, people don't want to wait. People don't want to be patient and let you build that stuff. But, yep. but this show, at first, when I watched the first episode, I did think, this is really slow. Oh, God, I hope I hope this isn't bad. And then I watched that initial three together and realized, oh, God, Disney, Star Wars, these particular storytellers, they are willing to slow down and take the time to let you live in the world you need to live in to feel all the things you have to feel in. And I think that's brave i think that's a risk to take right now in television storytelling and i'm loving it yeah to build on that if i had one star wars wish it would be i'm, I'm saying this for the first time if i had one star wars wish it would actually be that they would move away from seasons and that they would move towards telling stories in arcs my favorite thing about the clone wars is that it's told in those three to four episode stories it's just, it feels to me always like it's just the right amount it ends up being a film a two-hour kind of piece whereas i love the hell out of the first season of the mandalorian but what i actually like is the first three episodes and the last two episodes that's what i really like right. out of it and you know in telling a, a longer story i'm not i'm not sure it always works i wasn't a, that into a lot of the other properties but this clone wars and even rebels rebels isn't told in arcs it's told in in long stories and it it kind of it gets kind of boring and monotonous and at at points with real high beginnings and high ends mm -hmm. similar to mandalorian but this you can swell you can start slow move to these huge pitches and it's not six episodes it's 12 it's not 35 minute episodes it's you know 45 50 minute episodes granted there's still the customary seven minutes of credits at the end but um you know yeah do you know that you can skip those right but if it says <laughs> oh great 55 <laughs> minutes of the show oh no it's 40 it's actually 40. Yeah. because we need to see who did the voice of cassian andor in paris <laughs> can i tell you a, 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 an embarrassing thing about the star wars bench I did the math initially for the first 40 hours with the credits in mind, and I didn't think about that. And so then I went back through, and I eliminated all the credits, and I'm like, oh, I get I get like like six more hours that I get to, to, to add material. <laughs> I was really it is, That is interesting to look at. Like, do you know that I think it was like, it's like 75 hours is how long Game of Thrones is, all told, but if you cut out all the sex scenes, it is no joke. <laughs> 69 minutes <laughs> 69 minutes 69 hours hours sorry yeah exactly. yeah 69 hours but 69 is the there were six hours a sex position yes makes me laugh okay the i got all sorts of positives on this anything else that stands out to you as uh as positives i'm sure we'll get through it uh uh but i was just like shout out this whole cast there is not one person that I feel like I've come across that you think that I don't think is pulling their weight or is miscast or doesn't belong here. Everybody is so good. Yeah. Oh my God. I just every and in and, and every scene it's a different great actor who you've seen before, whether it's Stellan Skarsgård or friggin' Fiona Shaw, for God's sakes, like or or people you don't know as well showing up turning in amazing performances. 
I was thrilled just to pick one person, um, Faye Marseille. I believe that's how you say her name. She's in Game of Thrones. She's the what is she? She's the redhead assassin in Game of Thrones who works for the Faceless Man. But she is the primary rebel leader for the mm-hmm. heist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she p- plays. Yeah, she plays Vel. Loved to see her as a good guy, as it were, because she's such a great villain in. Game of Thrones. Yeah, the um, the little woman. I'm forgetting her name in the in the show, but um, the the fascist kid's mother who who just runs him down oh, and oh, thinks yeah. he's a loser. Oh my god, she's she, amazing. That's some brutal scenes. She's so great. She shows up a couple of times, and she's so great in that, and so different from seeing her in the Harry Potter films, right? Um, or, or even most recently she played all three witches in Joel Cohen's Macbeth movie and oh. was terrifying. So to see her in this movie where she's really made up and she's, she's kind of this glamorous status, uh, craving character. just, just wonderful. I need to go back and watch that with that in mind. That's good. Edie Karn played by Catherine Hunter. Catherine Hunter. That's what, yeah, she's, She's a genius. Another one for me, and this is the first thing I wrote down, hot take. This is the best Star Wars script ever. Yeah. The script here is better than Empire. Mm-hmm. Let me give just a sample of some of the lines. The axe forgets, but the tree remembers. That's That just that <laughs> hit me in the chest. Everyone has their own rebellion. This will all be over tomorrow, or it will just be starting. The Empire doesn't play by the rules. They don't have to. You mean nothing to them. Uh, after the break-in, one path, one choice, we win or everyone dies. At the end before a death, uh, there's a man trying to justify his behavior, and he's he's reminded that he was fighting for his brother, and he says, I don't have a brother. And he did have a brother. But he says, I don't have a brother because he's moving on. And it's, it's just some of those lines were just, I mean, th- that's just a quick sample. Dirty zip. One of my personal favorites is um, when Stellan Skarsgård's character says to Mon Mothma, mm-hmm. the Empire has been choking us so slowly we've started not to notice. Yes. I love that line mm-hmm. for so many reasons. For just the line itself, the delivery is great, but it's just such a beautiful example of that like slow creeping fascism that we keep yeah. talking about. And it's, that's it's 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 a sentence and it's perfect thinking about the entirety of of Star Wars property that's out there uh, just films and movie and and TV shows but the, the there's always like one thing that's like not great it's it's the cast is meh or the the effects are terrible or the script is not good the story is great the script isn't very good or like there's particular performances that like this is this is the thing that wasn't working or everything is great and the story is terrible or like <laughs> like there there's always at least one problem mm-hmm. with basically everything that's out there and we've just learned to accept the flaws and and this this to me is holistically the best thing that's been put out in in this in within the Star Wars material totally agree this is easily top five for me in terms of like a product in the Star Wars universe and for exactly the same reasons. I think a lot of times with Marvel, 
with Star Wars, with Star Trek, with Game of Thrones. Like, there's apologies that are made by fans, you know, that, well, this is, this is good for the thing. Mm-hmm. But when you actually see a good film or when you actually see real quality brought into your property, you're like, oh, and it awakened you. Like, I, I, I haven't experienced this for a while. Yeah. Even though we're not talking about it today, I was excited to get up this morning and and finish episode seven and eight of it. Like I re- that was the first thing I did when I got up, like a like a child at Christmas. I was like, "Oh right, I'm gonna watch those last two episodes." I cannot wait. So shout out, uh, we we're gonna say it in a, another podcast, but shout out to the the Gilroy brothers who are doing some of the heavy lifting here. This is <laughs> yep. like just give those gentlemen a dump truck full of money and lock them down for. A decade, um, yeah. that Disney Plus money. I hear, I hear they have bank vaults. It's a, it's these big rolls. Wait I mean, a second. It's in Scotland. It looked, it looked like maybe New Zealand to me, but I'm glad you clarified. It's Scotland. <laughs> well, and they did. That's what I loved about that. It, it, for Disney Plus Day, they they released that nine minute thing where they showed a clip from Andor, but they also talked to 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 the Gilroy yeah. brothers, and and they said we wanted so much of this to feel real, mm-hmm. and they had a little moment where they had a camera on set, and that dam is there. Yeah. It's, it's I a mean, legitimate, like, that's like it's a real there. dam that's in Scotland. And it's just like, yes, that is Gotham City looks so great in in the Batman because they went to these specific locations in Chicago mm-hmm. and yep. in Scotland. It is not a sound stage. It is not green screen. Like, yep. it's you can tell, and it's worth it. Yep. To build on the dam, there there are so many nods and uses and callbacks to other great movies. In it, I mean, in it, they're just, I feel like Clone Wars does this all over the place. There's a Hunt for Red October, you know, episode. There's a fugitive, you know, set of arcs. Mm-hmm. Using great stories and even just borrowing the visual imagery. So with the dam, they st- they just straight up steal some stuff from GoldenEye. And it's one of my favorite James Bond scenes is the beginning of GoldenEye where James Bond jumps off right. the dam and it's kind of like a bungee jump in, in order to get where he's, he's going. It's just, just gorgeous. And they have a nearly identical scene of Val running down the, the dam just like, I mean, uh, just identical. And I'm like, that's lovely. They're using something that's there. They're putting it in the Star Wars universe. I'm I'm still fully bought in, but I'm I'm uh, I'm thrilled that they're using that. And like I have a list of, of movies here where it was just, oh, that's from that. Oh, that's from mm-hmm. that. And I just love the hell out of it. Ton of stuff from Wally in terms of how they're using uh the red droid. Uh, whose name I don't know off the top of my head at the beginning. But in that dystopian world, um, that's how that works. A bunch of stuff from movies like The Stand, when when, uh, the mining colony all die from some sort of disease or some sort of toxic something in the air. B2 Emo is that droid's name. B2 Emo. (laughs) That's a good one. Uh, Apocalyptico has uh, has uh, there's a bunch of apo- uh, of re- visual references to that movie. It felt like to me. Yeah. My favorite, and I only saw it once, was b- the references from Black Hawk Down. The end of mm-hmm. episode three, I thought was tremendous with the banging and the the noises mm-hmm. that they're making, and the whole city has bunkered down and they're ready to go to town on the Imperial invaders. Black Hawk Down is a super 
uh, you know, uh, a disturbing movie on that on that yeah. front, and they were using a lot of stuff there. That's that is a killer moment too. Just the the talking about how much they don't like the noise, and then it's it's when it stops. That's the that's what you have to worry yeah. about, and just yeah. how I talked about sort of that paranoia, like you just feel that mm-hmm. on on particularly that poor Scottish guy, like that Scottish guard. He is he knows something horrible is about to happen to him. Yeah. They got some Guy Ritchie Sherlock Holmes when when they're in that room with all of the chains and large heavy instruments that are uh, flying. I don't know what you even call that. It felt like the dock in Sherlock Holmes when everything oh, when was they're kind in of the, falling yeah, yeah. apart. Mm-hmm. When they all the counterweights and everything. That's that was the scene they showed um, in that star the Disney Plus Star Wars Day. They showed they showed him meeting. Lucian and and that stuff flying all over the place. So that was that was the sort of primer they gave everybody, and that's why I was like, "This is a, this is incredible, and I cannot stunning. wait." Stunning. The three that really hit me is there's essentially a Matrix um, Mr. Smith speech that takes place in which you know the rebels are essentially called a disease that needs to be eliminated, like a virus that just comes right out of them mouth of you know mr smith in that movie um and then i I suppose you'll see this immediately when i say it is there's a heavy les mis theme going on up front in terms of the criminal on the run from a very uh by the books law enforcement officer Mm -hmm. and then those last three four five and six that's all the hobbit it's we have a company Mm. that's going to go into the lair of the dragon in order to steal a treasure and he's your um oh god I've... he's the thief the thief that's what it yeah, is. yeah I can't the, to say it's it like... it's actually explicitly said at one point you're the thief well and it it's it's any good heist story yep like the like like the, this is one of the things that that the Gilroys have done so well is like they're, they're going to show you something that you're familiar with, but they're going to con- sort of subvert it a little bit. And like, like the whole play out of the heist is like, like so typically you have a height, like a, a heist movie, Italian job, uh, oceans 11, like, like a bunch, we've seen heist stories and like, there's someone who's going to lay out that these are the individual people and here's their jobs. Here's the layout of the space. This is what we're going to do. Here's the plan. And then the plan's going to go badly, but they're all going to walk away at the end. And 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 the story is about how the plan goes badly and how they adjust to it. And 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 they did that. They did that and and gave us a very very typical high story except they subverted it in several ways in places and and like like this is what you're used to we're going to give you something a little bit different this is what you're used to we're going to give you something a a little bit different but overall it's still just a high story yeah that and they i like that they weren't afraid to you know they picked off three characters that we've spent several episodes kind of getting to know kind Mm -hmm. of starting to like or at least be really curious about and then boom 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 (laughs) just and that's Good storytelling. Which is also one of the nice things afforded by the three-episode arcs instead of a full season. Because we would have spent yeah. the whole season getting to know them, and then they would have died at the end. And instead, you can you can bring in... the. I, I think they said there's there's over 100 speaking roles in this first I believe, season. I believe it. And, and because they can keep introducing people that exist to tell this part of the story, and then they're gone. That's it. And you don't ever have to see them again because of the way that the arcs are structured. Which was, that feels like classic Star Wars, too. You know, I mean, in, in a lot of the films, it's like, that's a, we've spent 
four minutes with that character and they mm-hmm. do exactly what they need to do and then they're gone and yeah it just it, the heist stuff is great. I love a heist where where somebody where they have to dress up. You know, Indiana Jones has to dress up as a Nazi to go into the thing. Billy Bob Thornton and Bruce Willis have to put on costumes and go in and rob the bank with the bank managers in the movie Bandits. Like I love mm. those types of heist stories, yeah. and and you get a little bit of that in this too. And it's so fun and rewarding and great. Mm-hmm. I felt like there was a ton of Dark Knight in some of those places as well where in dark Knight, the robbery that occurs at the beginning everybody's got their role to play and when their role is done they're eliminated and it's real similar to how rogue one works as well like once you play your role then you'll those those characters end up dying whether it's you know k2so or um Everyone, yeah, everybody yeah. else in the company. When when the guy pulls the gun, the the soldier, the the imperial guy pulls the gun when they go into the first phase of that vault, and then Cinta jumps down the stairs and shoots the guy in the head. I did not see that coming. Right, right. it was so good and yeah. startling, and and I feel like it was kind of the first time you really saw in the show we're gonna do this. Yeah, like mm-hmm. and again, like this is a little darker. You just saw that guy get shot in the head. We're going there. Yeah. It's the Western standoff, and you have the three people who are there, all guns pointed, and then from from the side, bang. I suppose similar, real similar to the end of New Hope, mm-hmm. you know, where guns are pointed on Luke, and then from the side, bang, uh, Han comes in. Actually, New Hope's a great example of people getting picked off one at a time. You have all of those, mm-hmm. you know, uh pilots who are just going down one by one by one and it's it's like the proximity is getting closer and closer and closer to luke and the last person to get shot to really build the tension is r2d2 who gets shot in the head and screams and then it's the death star is clear to fire and right then han comes and saves the day i i vividly remember being so excited about that as a, as a little kid watching Star Wars, when Han shows up and does that, I just remember like a wave of joy that I'm pretty certain I've never felt since. But like, I just remember being so excited. Spectacularly edited. So yeah. Give that person an Oscar. Done. Mm-hmm. Poor John Dykstra. I did so much for that movie. My God. Love me some mixed Imperial motives. Not all of the Imperial officers are the same in terms of their motives. You have some that are idealists. You have some that are bullies who just want to kill some people they think are weak. You got ladder climbers. Uh, You got people who just want to belong. You got people who just want to be part of something and and feel like they're, you know, on the team, Um, you know, need a job. Uh, You can, for me, and I imagine for many of the audience, like, eventually they're going to hit your personality type. And you're like, oh, you mm-hmm. know what? If if I was a part of the Empire, that's probably what it would look like. Sure. And I like that. They're not they're not all just cigar chomping, mustache twirling bad guys, and that's kind of how I feel like they all are in in, in the original films. Mm-hmm. Remember, yep. the, the Python guys talked about that when they did the movie Life of Brian. They said, there's, there's no way all centurions were the way they're portrayed in 1950s biblical films like some of them have to have just been soldiers that signed up because they thought it was the right thing to do unaware of the fact of the history that was happening around them so some of them are very much like all right okay well you're here for crucifixion so i guess out the door uh line on the left one cross each thank you have a nice day you know that kind of thing and i love 
I love seeing the more real world stuff mm-hmm. throughout all of it, whether it's various types of soldiers. I feel like you see so many people eating in this, like making yeah, coffee yeah. do or, or whatever version of coffee they have. It's just, it's so much of a world. It's the, it's the Eddie Izzard routine of you never see anyone in the Death Star go down to the cafeteria and, and, and get something that they just never do. You see it in this. And I think mm-hmm. that's genius. Wait a second. That guy's got pink milk. I noticed that. <laughs> and cereal. I'm going to keep going on what I love unless you, you jump in TJ with some, uh, is that, have we, have we hit around the, uh, nope. the, the critique mic? No, it's all right. All right. I got <laughs> one of my favorite quotes is from, uh, C.S. Lewis in Screwtape Letters, he talks about the bureaucracy of hell. And this, I think, is perfectly captured. Speaking of how authoritarianism works, he says, we must picture hell as a state where everyone is perpetually concerned about his own dignity and advancement, where everyone has a grievance and everyone lives the deadly serious passion of envy, (laughs) self-importance, and resentment. I live in the managerial state in a world of admin, the greatest evil is not done in those sordid dens of crime that Dickens loved to paint. It's not done even in concentration camps and labor camps. In those, we see its final results. But it is conceived and ordered, moved, seconded, carried, and minuted in clean, carpeted, warmed, and well-lit offices by quiet men with white collars and cut fingernails and smooth-shaven cheeks who do not need to raise their voice. Hence, naturally enough, my symbol for hell is something like the bureaucracy of a police state or the offices of a thoroughly nasty business concern. Whew. I thought that was a great picture of how they're doing the empire. Yeah. Yeah. This is hell and it looks really clean. And it's all, like like one thing that they haven't really done a lot to to sort of hold out for us within previous material is that like Everyone's a middle manager yep. in the bureaucracy. Yeah, everyone, everyone who's yelling at someone beneath them has someone above them that's yelling at them, and and like from Darth Vader all the way down, everyone has a manager, right. and and like there's there's governors and there's ship captains and there's there's all of like there's a whole of this bureaucracy, and everyone who pretends to have power. They're probably just like the guy who's in charge of the garrison. They're, they're probably just working their way up the chain. They're they're where they're at because they're just trying. Like this is the next step in a succession of steps, and that's their whole life. And everybody has to answer to somebody else. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I cut it short, but Lewis says something builds on what you're saying. He says, dog eat dog is the principle of the whole organization. Everyone wishes everyone else's discrediting, demotion, and ruin. Everyone is an expert in the confidential report, the pretended alliance, the stab in the back. Over all this, their good manners, their expressions of grave respect, their tributes to one another's invaluable service from a thin crust. Every now and then it gets punctured and the scalding lava of their hatred spurts out. Mm. <laughs> and that's exactly as you're saying. Yeah. And you see it in the, the relationship between those two imperial officers that are like fighting over territory. Yeah. Blevin and Mira. And even after after Daedra wins and she's walking with, you know, the, the, the higher up guy whose name I'm forgetting, but he, great job on the thing. Watch your back. Yep. 
Right. And then he walks away. You're like, and then you're Whoa. like, wait, wait, who is that guy? Is is he saying that because he's actually warning her, or is he one of the rebels, or like, who is that guy? Yeah, I yeah. Just... probably not because that guy always plays sort of a middle management mm-hmm. monster. And every... yeah. isn't he in Game of Thrones? Yes. Yeah. yeah he's the Meister. Yeah. Okay. So I, like, I know I recognize that dude, and he always plays the same kind of weaselly monster. Anytime you're going to show empires, you probably need to show some exploited people. Uh, the thing about the nature of empires is that they're pyramids. They're huge pyramid schemes, and somebody's on the bottom. And a lot, In fact, a lot of people are often on the bottom, and their land gets ravaged, and their people work to, you know, what, to produce some significant resource that contributes to the whole of the empire. And we see this mm-hmm. both with uh, Cassian's people, and we see it with the, the people who are on the, the planet with the, the, the dam. Yeah. The things that are sacred, the things that are part of their culture, have been overwhelmed by the imperial system that comes with order, exploitation, and huge military mm-hmm. power to just say, you're over here now. We're taking this. Well, and even even everyone who's sort of left to their own devices, they're still on. They're they're only left to their own devices at the whim of the empire. Like this is one of the things about that that first arc is that that Karn, the the guard who royally screws everything up. Like so so we open with with Cassian on this planet that is ruled by a security force that's part of a corporation and. He kills two guards that work for this corporate police force. And we find out that the Empire is basically letting the corporation do, like, have their police force. Like, the, the security company that, that runs all of this, they're not part of the Empire. They're allowed to have their authority because the Empire is letting them. Yep. Like and the, when the yeah. Empire decides that they're not doing a good enough job, they do not have that power anymore. Yeah. So like even these people who think that they like they are this this security force is in chi- is in charge of a whole system. This corporation is in charge of a whole system. Yep. But only so long as the Empire says so. And that means they're not actually in charge of it. Right. And like that that as a sort of model for telling so many other stories like like you cannot be untouched when an empire is in charge. Yeah. You just can't you you can't be neutral. You can't sit this one out. You're going to be affected by it eventually. This yep. deal keeps getting worse all the time to quote a uh, Star Wars character. <laughs> Say it's the case that you're producing the uh the energy resources for the Empire, they can always change their contract. In Bad Batch, we see those who are creating military supplies in the Kaminoans, uh, they're creating clones. Their contract has changed. Right. Sorry. But uh, I realize that you built this enormous facility, yeah. but we're going to do yeah. something else now. None of the none of the deals matter. I mean, that happens in Empire too. When when they they take Han and they're also taking everybody else. And Lando says that wasn't part of the deal. And Vader basically says, "Yeah, the deal has changed. What are you gonna do about it?" Yeah, yeah. The like one of one of the most significant moments in the very first introduction to to Star Wars is that that the Empire doesn't care about the deals that they made because they don't have to. Because you, that's why. <laughs> like it just doesn't matter. Under authoritarian government, they are the law. Yeah. I am the Senate, I believe is a, a quote that right. I heard once. It's a direct <laughs> quote, yeah. 
sometimes I've so for for a, a small show of uh, horrific realism, sometimes your lover gets shot right in front of you, and you're chained to a wall, and you gotta wait there for a little while. Yeah, but that Scottish right. bastard oh. had it coming. That's some. T- that's a tough scene. For but me. still, Bix. Like the oh, I know uh, the performance of these characters. They they're just the these actors are so good. But even like seeing the confliction in that character of is his name Tim? Yeah, yeah. With two ends. that character of <laughs> t- yeah Tim. Uh, his like he he's got to take a couple of shots before he goes and turns in Cassian. It's it's um. I've only seen that actor in two other things, and they've both been in live streams of theater productions. I saw him play Macbeth oh. uh, in a in a production that he did with Saoirse Ronan as Lady Macbeth, and it was one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. And I also saw him play um, Prior Walter's boyfriend Lewis in uh, Angels in America, and he so he's mm-hmm. he's always kind of a despicable guy who makes the wrong choice, but damn, does he do it well? And and. Giving us some some impression of the fact that it like it 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 was a hard decision, but also he sucks enough that he still made the decision. Like all of that is just wrapped up in this very minimal performance. Great, yeah. great writing, great acting and casting, and yeah. yeah. Last thing I got is it just feels like there are so many plants that I'm just waiting to see pay off. Mm-hmm. the The most obvious one is the blue Kyber and. Oh yeah. My my assumption that was that uh Stellan Skarsgård was uh was carrying around a very fancy walking stick early on that was highly reminiscent of a lightsaber. And so I'm assuming that the guy with the blue kyber and the the stick that looks like a lightsaber might uh might plug that sucker in here in a minute. That was just my guess, but it feels to me like there there are those sorts of moments that are coming up. There are relationships with droids. There are other rebels. There are, there's all other people who are on. Uh, was it Felix? Phoenix? What was the name of that planet? Phoenix. Phoenix. That's right. <laughs> We're just shouting words at each other now. <laughs> I said it a few minutes ago. Fox the Phoenix. What? Samsonite. I was way off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Phoenix. No, wait. Nope, that's a person. <laughs> Barracks. Oh my god. Barracks. Oh, Barracks. It's ours. <laughs> you have those other characters there on Ferricks who clearly have been emotionally affected by the Empire. That might be just to get a survey of the Hoi Polloi, but it also might be the case that these are characters that are easily recruited and brought in and constitute, you know, some some rebellion going on there. Yeah. Or will work for whatever. Yeah, for perhaps uh, 80 million credits that got just stolen. There might be a few that they could spin their way. There well, you go. And, and also notice that the outfits on Ferrix, yeah. their, their mining suits, that's, that's a very similar color to what we know to be the flight suits of the Rebellion. That's a good call. Yeah. That, that uh, Rebellion orange was standing out. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's present. Last thing worth... Saying, I suppose, is perhaps just to circle back to some stuff that we kind of keep teasing, but I thought it was worth saying there are some shockingly beautiful scenes in this. Mm-hmm. When the mm-hmm. when they started doing the stuff with the TIE fighters and the eye phenomena, yeah. I was I I started weeping at how 
beautiful I thought those elements were used. Mm-hmm. And that's real common for me, but <laughs> but, <laughs> but it was one of yeah, those things yeah, that... You're with the right. That's <laughs> <laughs> one of those things where you're just like... The, the, the TIE Fighters, their sound, their their physicality, their movement is just so such a part of like my ingrained memories. And any time that they've used the TIE Fighters, whether in Rebels or even in... You know, Last Jedi, or uh, especially in the original trilogy, but when they're using those ships, they always kind of my 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 heart kind of jumps up, and I just didn't feel like they missed a beat in terms of the realism of the pilots, the tracking system that they're using from the seventies, you know, the movements of the of the pilots and how they're positioning themselves, and then all of it was colored in my mind with a throwback to Empire and the asteroid field scene which i think mm. for me mm. i i may i'm I, if you push me that might be my favorite scene of the original trilogy the music is phenomenal and han navigating through the asteroids and it was real similar here mm. that they were navigating you know the ship through those those eye meteorites and and something that was again it was just kind of jumping up in my my heart in those moments and at the end of the day they escape and there's, you know, a time where they're on the run from the Empire, clearly. I, part of what stands out to me is, is the precision with which they interwove the, the real stuff and the CGI stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have been exposed to material that, like, the, the meteor shower would have been a, a 100% CGI two-minute-long sequence. And and the way that they gave us the meteor shower in this is like they they sort of like like shoot back and forth between it between us seeing the 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 shower and uh, like some some more real stuff and and the the cutting of uh, the larger sequences which clearly have some CGI in with some of the the more realistic elements the way that the the dam which is a real dam in Scotland and a lot of the the stuff on that planet is shot in on location in Scotland but also a lot of it is enhanced with CGI and and there's stuff built into the dam that that helped make it not a dam on earth but also but in this in this Star Wars universe yeah. and like like the tower folding in the different things that make that take something real and make it bigger than it actually is they they have done that so 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 well yep. um especially th- thinking about it in contrast to not only star wars material in the last four or five years but but also like some of the other stuff that we've seen come out like like you you look at some of the scenes of middle earth within rings of power and you're like that is beautiful and not one pixel is real. real. Yeah. Yeah. I just I huge huge props to the the way that this was designed and conceived and edited because it's it's almost seamless and and it's it it's so much more real than just totally CGI. My last thought was just to kind of circle back to The Hobbit, which I'm a big Tolkien fan and just love the hell out of it, and finishing on the very similar to Bilbo returning the Arkenstone and, in essence, taking his share of the plunder. Mm. That's where they land with Cassian here. And I just love the hell out of The Hobbit and just seeing those beats. And 
for what it's worth, I actually think there might be a lot of overlap with the personality of Cassian and the personality of Bilbo that could be explored if you went down those roads. But the observational quality of Cassian and his otherness and his determination to be honorable to a cause that's not his, it real similar to how Bilbo comes to all of this. And if you if you look at Stellan Skarsgård, here's an, here's another clue. If you were to imagine him perhaps as the wizard who recruits Bilbo, that would be another kind of clue that this might be a Jedi. Sure. And it it just seems to me that 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 ending and and especially the the ending of him being handed the book at the end, I I thought that was very tastefully done. That everybody has their thing that they need to do. They're part of the company, and that one character, his job was to write down the ideals, and they got handed to somebody who is going to be responsible for for executing them. And I thought mm-hmm. that was just a great middle point. So that's what I got on this. You got thoughts on that, or any other thoughts? It <laughs> might be voiced. <laughs> I'll I'll be interested to see where they go with um, Mon Mothma's character, because mm-hmm. because right now she's a presence and 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 i know jeff you have not seen seven and eight tj you have i have and i don't even feel like much more gets explored right i think it's fair to say so i'm very curious to see they're they're moving some stuff into play and that's what Mm -hmm. i'm grateful for there being 12 episodes instead of six right she's clearly very important but why you know, right. I think right. uh, Genevieve O'Reilly is an amazing actress. She looks just like the... The original Mon Mothma. The original, yeah. kind of. Like, if you took that Mon Mothma and, like, injected her with, like, some David Bowie, I feel like that's... The... <laughs> um, but I'm just... I, I'm, right. I'll, yeah, I'll just be very curious to see where that character goes sure. and what they do with her. Me too. I, I suppose going in, if I were to make the bridge, it just feels to me like she's the professional face... It garners stability. We, sure, but I would. Ju- it would just be nice to see it, something interesting story-wise with her happening would be cool, right? As opposed yeah. to just her kind of walking into rooms and and being like, "I'm trying to make things happen. I'm a politician." Mm-hmm. See you next time. Yeah. Yep. Let me look at all this uh, stolen these stolen antiquities. <laughs> Another frustrated idealist, perhaps. Yeah. Speaking to an empty Senate chamber. Yeah. That was that was a good C-SPAN image. I thought. <laughs> Nobody's there, then she goes home to her husband that doesn't give a crap about what she's doing. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I would like to see a little more done. Um, I would like to see that storyline draw me in the way all of the other ones have. Right. Yeah. His name is Luthen. Stellan Skarsgård's name is Luthen. Luthen. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the name on J.R.R. Tolkien's uh, tombstone. Hmm. There's a story in the Silmarillion, and one of them is Luthen. I believe you. Interesting. Told you it was the I haven't Hobbit. seen that on Rings of Power yet, so <laughs> oh, I'm 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 getting close. I'm I'm, I'm close. <laughs> All right, bring the pain. Okay. All right, here we go. Okay, so I have brought this up to several people, um, and it it always ends the same way. So I fully anticipate that you two will uh, repeat history for me. We'll see. To me, in inarguably, this is one of the best shows that has been on television in a very long time. It is holistically 
It is beautiful. It is well done. It is executed appropriately. It's it's thoughtful. It's meaningful. It's it's so good. I love this show. It's so good and it's compelling and I'm really excited for where they're going to go with it. Like cuz cuz I don't know and it's great. And when we started this adventure, I was not excited about it at all because I do not care for the character of Andor. I think that Cassie and Andor is like one of the worst quote-unquote heroes that we're supposed to ever root for based on the story that we're telling in Rogue One. I hate his character. So I, I did not go into this very excited. But I I was compelled. Like, I, I'm... A, Stellan Skarsgård is unbelievable. He's so good. And Fiona Shaw. Oh, my God. I love Fiona Shaw. And there's so many things about this show that are so, 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 so good. But? And also, (laughs) this could be set in any uh, science fiction universe ever. Sure. So uh, Tony Gilroy, who is the creator of this show... He actually has said out loud in front of people that like he he does not he is not at all interested in pleasing the fanboys. Mm-hmm. So much Star Wars property for the last since especially since Disney purchased it is about giving people stuff that's familiar. And and they have not executed that well and the people who it's for get mad that there's a black person now and like there's there's just so much about pleasing the fan base that is a terrible idea and tony gilroy is like i don't care i i just don't care about that part of it i want to tell a really good story and i think he's doing that i think the the story that they're telling is very 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 good and it doesn't like it it might as well not be a star wars property like like we see things that are familiar tie fighters are very familiar. They're part of the Star Wars universe, but they could be any ship. It sure. could be any ship. There's nothing specifically Star Wars about the purpose of TIE Fighters. We've seen lots and lots and lots of media over the course of thousands of years about dictatorial regimes. We know what that looks like, and it could be anything in this place. It could be it could be Emperor Putin. It could be Emperor Napoleon. It could be Emperor Jar Jar. It doesn't matter. Like God. the 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 <laughs> things, the story that they're telling is very good, but it is not specifically Star Wars to me because they have not used the word force once. Yeah, I've I I suppose on that front the. The kyber crystal is a so depending on how they use that. I mean, that's a huge plant that is. Yeah, yeah. So, floating. so that's that's one of the things that like, I I I landed on this opinion and I have not moved off when I was firmly under the belief that episode one was six episodes or season one uh, was six sure, episodes. Sure. <laughs> and then two weeks later, I was like, "There's an episode seven. Wait, what's happening?" And then I found out that it was twelve, and it's like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> Okay, by the end of this season, I might be completely off of this opinion. But I, uh, I don't think they might wrong. do this. I don't think you're yeah, wrong I, in saying ninety percent of it could be told in the Star Trek universe, right? Right, and, or something and, that doesn't even exist. I mean, it's yeah. just a made-up property. Right, right, right. It could be anywhere, and and so why why is it called Star Wars if it's not something that is is exclusive 
to Star Wars. And to me, that is the force. Right. That 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 is a pre- that that is a part of the Star Wars universe that binds and holds it all together. Yeah. And uh I, I have this quote. I want to read some thoughts because I, I, I thought it like it was really important for me to get this point across this way. And I can't remember if this was something that I said to you, Daniel, or if it was something I heard or whatever. But but uh, speaking about uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, mm-hmm. speaking about the show Obi-Wan, uh, if you if all you want to see is laser swords and telekinesis and familiar characters, I'm sure it was lovely. Uh <laughs> You did say that to me, <laughs> and like, like that is that is a very real thing about what the the material that's being put out right now. Besides Andor, is that like it's all fan service. It's it's if if all you want is laser swords and telekinesis and familiar characters, Obi Wan Kenobi is great. Rogue One is fine. Solo is uh, Solo may not fit in this category, but like if that's the things that you want, some of the material that's out there now, that's all it is is laser swords and telekinesis and familiar characters. Yeah. And can I spin, can I say that in a, are you, what you're getting at is on one side, at best, the positive stuff that Star Wars brings to the table isn't all that great. On spun negatively, Star Wars might be the problem with the stories they're telling. Well, I, I don't know, because like, I, I do want those things. I, I do want laser swords and telekinesis and, and familiar characters. I just don't want those to be the only things that are there. Right. There are dozens, possibly hundreds, possibly thousands, possibly millions of other Jedi throughout the course of the history of this universe. Sure. He tells stories about. And we focus on this one group in this 10-year span, and we only focus on a handful of the Jedi that are part of that that period. Uh, can, can't we see some other Jedi doing cool shit, too? Um, <laughs> and what about the lore of the Jedi? Like, you're, you're bringing up Old Republic, and, like, I would love to see some old Jedi stuff. Like, what the hell was that island that... that Luke was on in last. Oh yeah. yeah, they don't they don't give us anything about that. Yeah, or Jetta or in even the statue that's fallen over. Yeah, or even that area of the swamp that is on Dagobah, where it's like, oh, that part of the swamp that's teeming with the uh, dark side of the Force energy over there. Yeah, right. come on over. You know, right? Why that swamp? Why that right. planet? Like, like the Star Wars isn't obviously is not just laser swords and the Force. But to me, it's not Star Wars without those things. It's just a space show. Yeah. And might so, well like, Doctor, might as well be Doctor Who at this point, is what you're right. saying. Right. Yeah. It, it doesn't have to be about the Skywalker family. That's fine. We get it. Let's move on. He's supposed to be good, but he didn't like sand. We get it. Let's move <laughs> on from the Skywalker family, but there's still a ton of other Force stuff to show us. My, my quick take on that is that the. Palpatine is a modern man and the Jedi order is a medieval and the Republic end up being more of a medieval system. Sure. And the modern man walks in with modern warfare and modern tools and overwhelms the medieval world. The story that can absolutely be told that would be real interesting would be the old Republic. Mm -hmm. The move from the ancient to the medieval actually is really interesting. Yeah. And it comes with a, with a spirituality in order um, that that overwhelms the the authoritarian and that's probably the wrong word the tribalism 
and the empire building of the ancient world in a different right. kind of way. Oh, I think that would be a super interesting story. And obviously, I felt like they had hired Benioff and Weiss. Is that their names? They got the yeah. Game of Thrones guys to to do that, and then mm-hmm. and then it got set aside. I Old right. Republic needs to happen. If you get online and see some of the animation they've already done, it's pretty impressive on the flip side moving forward we have entered a postmodern world and like what does it look like when the global order you know falls apart because of you know disinformation you know the the sort of stuff that they started doing with um how would you say this you know i mean what happens when the strong man is deposed mm-hmm. yeah i really when everything becomes the wild wild west and essentially Coruscant doesn't matter anymore. Um, that strikes me as a fantastic story to tell after the sequels. And right, but I, it also feels like to me at this point in time in history, in Star Wars history, most people feel like the you know you, you're talking about the you're talking about the Jedi and the Force, like people would talk about speaking Latin. You know, it's a dead language. Most people think this thing does not exist anymore. So Hmm. this is in a point in time in the history of Star Wars where it kind of doesn't exist, which is why it kind of coming back with Vader, but also with Luke and Obi-Wan and whoever is such a big deal because everyone's kind of believed this thing we thought was this hope is, has been murdered by the emperor Mm -hmm. so it is a star wars story because it's about the eradication of that but you have to have these dark moments for the light of the force to come back and in episodes and movies to come sure we'll see because i think it's i think it's laser swords and human beings rising up to to defeat fascism Right, right, and that that was one of the interesting things about like, especially thinking about these the this show in concert with Tales of the Jedi, because I think it's it's opposite sides of the same coin. Whereas if if you lean too far in this direction or that direction, you're it, what you're doing going forward is a problem. If all you're doing is fan service and and stories that require previous knowledge, this is going to be an issue. If all you're doing is cutting out, is telling the the human aspect of this story, which involves so much more, then it's it it could be anything, and it doesn't need to be Star Wars anymore. I think I, I think I agree. I, I don't disagree with you at all. I like those thoughts as well. I suppose uh, last thought for me on this is when everybody's using the Force to to move objects all over the place. Um, the spirituality kind of gets lost. Mm-hmm. Whereas actually, in my mind, the best articulations of the spirituality of the Force in Star Wars comes in these very, um, you know, uh, desert experiences. It's Obi-Wan's experience in that first episode of Kenobi. It's Yoda's articulation on Dagobah to Luke. Mm-hmm. And it's especially Chirrut Imwe's uh, presentation of the Force in... Uh, in Rogue One, but those yeah. would be those kind of desert oh, times yeah. where there's just yeah. not a lot going on in terms of the the actual use of it as a tool. It's much more of a we need to, and I think this is part of what Yoda's journey is on. Oh, I forgot to mention how Yoda's doing on all of this. I wanted to say something about that, but the uh, there's a. It seems like Yoda, the best spin on Yoda for during this period of time is that 
there's apparently some need to really rediscover and go back to the very, very core, the bedrock. Because mm-hmm. somewhere along the line, he lost the plot. Sure. Yeah. Daniel and I were speaking off mic, and I've said, you know who's really coming oh, out yeah. badly <laughs> with uh, Andor? Is Yoda. Is Yoda. Where the hell is Yoda? <laughs> Yoda could do some stuff right now. <laughs> and he, no, he can't. He he fought the the one thing that needs to happen is he needs to destroy the emperor, and he lost. He tried. He lost. Uh, he's had so he he's had uh, ten or so years to lick his wounds. I mean, by this point in time, it's probably fifteen, sixteen years. Can I regroup? You know, get back in the game. You know, you just start doing now some. Play the rocky very music. Old. He's very yeah. old now. That sucker can move an X-wing. I've seen it happen. <laughs> yeah, but there is there is still leadership and wisdom, and the galaxy is a big place to hide out in, especially when you're only two feet tall. And <laughs> there, it seems to be withdrawing to Dagobah through this whole period. It doesn't. Uh, that feels that feels like a kind of shirking your duties there maybe he just wanted to be asked to come back to be pursued (laughs) it could also be the case that uh he is like that so far what we know about his species about his race is that they're all force sensitive because all three of them that we've met in in all star wars media is that they're they're force sensitive Mm -hmm. and it, it could be the case that like there's a kill on site order for his race true enough like like and and if so, that means he he can't work in the shadows because even in the shadows, people are still trying to find him. Gotta. That's interesting. I, I like that. I bet you there's some creativity to be had. He could probably like find himself an R two unit, hide inside, be just fine, just zipping around. True. And Yoda make his own like beep boop boop sounds. Like, <laughs> I I am positive it's in universe. That's hilarious. Or or he could get I in that, that two ton you know machine there's probably some space in there just hollow at that dude's stomach and like his own hulk busting iron man i'm type. i'm <laughs> i'm thinking more like uh ninja turtles and the brain character that oh, like was krang's krang. brain <laughs> yeah oh my god all i'm saying is yoda's a smart fella feel like he could get back in the game somehow here yeah sure hold, okay so hold on i'm curious did we pass or fail your your test tj i i would grant the the idea that this this could be told anywhere yeah i'm, I'm yeah. with you there i, I yeah. don't disagree Where, did is that what you thought we would say or did we well i i've gotten a lot of pushback uh of oh. of and, and it's mostly been people saying yeah it could be anywhere but i don't care it's like well, well then why is it called star wars why is it called star wars <laughs> it's well, it's, a, it's about a war in goddamn space. <laughs> what else you want? Basically, all sci-fi is about a war in space. Well, it may, it, for for me, and why I oh, would yeah, there is say that. it's firmly in Star Wars is maybe circling back to something we said earlier: is the world is a character, mm. and and just because the force that attribute isn't isn't necessarily present yet, the all the artwork, all the 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 geography in terms of the lines drawn during this period in, of time are, are all Star Wars, and it's all setting up, I suppose it's all setting up the foundation for the things that we're going to see in Rogue One and in New Hope mm. and in Empire, I suppose. Um, so I'm here for it. Uh, and I actually am to, I think, some of the, the lessons being learned here that you don't need to have fan service to make great Star Wars going forward. 
dear God, I hope they learn that. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. I agree. And also, I we... We need we need both. We have to have both. You have to have both. Okay, you want but you you want more of the mysticism to come into play here. I it needs to be present. Yeah. And and if if Stellan Skarsgård's character is a former Jedi in hiding, I'm in. I'm on board. Like that solves the problem. Um as soon as he pulls out that kyber crystal, like before they even say it's kyber, I'm like that's a kyber crystal. Yeah. And so, yeah. and like <laughs> like I I didn't I don't. I didn't make the 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 draw the connection with the the walking stick right at first, but on my second watch through, I was like, "Hang on, it could be that." And he's just separated the crystal from the and and made the the tool into a, a tool. Um, and I, with how much work they're doing to make sure that we understand that he that we have no idea who he is, like like Luthen, the guy that we meet on Ferrix is very different from the guy who's running the the thing in uh Coruscant, Coruscant. Sure. the store yeah. but but those both could very easily be fronts well that and, one very much is the yeah. the the antiquities yeah, the, dealer in Coruscant I yeah. love that moment where he puts the autopilot on the ship he goes into the room there's the wig he puts those rings on and then mm-hmm. hits turns around and hits that smile and yeah. is in that character and I just yeah. I, there's just a great acting moment yeah. for yeah. But yeah, there's great something slate. with yeah. that character with, with Luthen mm-hmm. that we don't know yep. anything about yeah. him. How yeah. does he know Mon Mothma? How does he know everything about uh, Cassin? How does he interact with uh, other characters that we maybe may or may not meet later? And why does he know them? Like all those things. Why is he carrying around a Kyber crystal? <laughs> right. Yeah. So like where the it, hell do he get all of these you know these these Wookiee weapons and and, right. and armor these these um Inquisitor the suit of armor with the fin mm-hmm. on it in the back where all this where did he get all this crap right right and who's who's his assistant and like they anyway the this problem can be very easily solved for me which is just like bringing in this part of the story that they have not acknowledged yet but but. That this has been my issue, especially with those first six episodes, and 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 thinking that that was one whole season is that like like that this isn't Star Wars. It's really, really, really good, and for me, it's not yet Star Wars. So bring in the Force. I don't I don't necessarily need to see laser swords and telekinesis, but I would love for them to at least acknowledge that it exists, so that I know that this is in the same universe. It's a good call. I think that's fair. I, I forgot to mention it, but it, it's a good place to land is that there's a lot of messages here about race. And it is the case that we talked, we talked in another episode about representation um, for LGBTQ mm. folk mm-hmm. and, and not overplayed. I thought very well done, subtly done, meaningfully done. And the number of references in the presence of a strong black male to how those other people stink. And he's essentially being told this to his face in a very uncomfortable way. Mm -hmm. I thought was a, I'm serving under really terrible people who are racist. And the, the motive that was kind of underlying a lot of that, I thought was, yeah, was clever and well, well done. And that's a great moment when, when he is revealed to be, to have betrayed the empire and just how offended the one guy is and how he's basically said, I've been working for you for so long. Eh. Like, 
Yeah. It's 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 already pretty bad, dude. I thought that was I thought that was wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. The insult is I forgot what the language was, but it was essentially the the terrible thing is how much I've had to serve you for yeah yeah for these many years. And he doesn't even care. He's a middle manager. <laughs> <laughs> Promoted to his highest level yeah. of incompetence. Yeah. The um, specifically thinking about the the relationship between Val and um, the other woman that I cannot remember her, her name. name was Cinta. Yeah, Cinta, Cinta. Vel and Cinta. It's it's clear that Vel and Cinta are in a relationship, and we don't see really anything more than that. And and there's part of me that's like like why didn't they give us more? And then I remember that they didn't give us more of any of those people. We don't know any of their history. We don't know any of their connect. Like we don't know how they got there. We don't know their connections. We know what their job is. Yeah. For the heist, and we know some like some like sort of big picture part of who they are. Um, Nemec is the is the the idealist who who is fully bought into the the like he's the one writing the manifesto for the for the revolution and then we have Skeen who's clearly someone who is just in it for blood and money uh we have the the guy who is his whole goal is revenge is uh, avenging a lost love um but you don't know anything else about these characters and i feel like bringing in this relationship and having it be present was a really clever and and good way to to sort of normalize this mm-hmm. without without giving it to us on a platter you know agreed i really liked that part i suppose and maybe it's just where our culture is i didn't even realize but there's the the only two love relationships three love relationships that we see are all mixed race relationships mm. um the one with tim and uh yeah bix that bix at the beginning uh with Senta and vel and then the imperial officer was was um had become in love with a local and all those folks are white right um fiona shaw's character and and, and, and clem um, yeah yeah clem are, are marva and clem marva and clem are a couple as well when when they find uh fiona shaw the um his Cassian's mom his quote adopted mom. oh sure there you go his his kidnap mom yeah yeah um oh i missed that he was naming himself yeah. after his dad yeah oh yeah. see i missed that that's good and there yeah there i i think that becomes a little bit more clear in episode seven okay mm-hmm. to be fair but um yeah. but i mean it's quick it's not like a big addressed thing but um yeah that's that's also a couple anyway there's uh i mean in terms of representation this this show I think is doing it in a valuable yet subtle and it's you know it doesn't need to be overkill it's just this is part of how things are kind of way well it lets it lets those characters exist as characters that are complex and rich and aren't just gay or black right. or you know it because because that's not what people yeah. are yeah you know, like yes. there's people aren't just like this is my gay friend this is my black friend like they, they they're there's so many other things to them. Mm-hmm. So just letting them exist, that's how you tell good stories. My right. God. Like just right. yeah. Do do more of that. <laughs> Put it in there. Show don't tell. How hard is God, this? Really? <laughs> I wouldn't think hard. Well it's not see here's the thing. It's not hard to put it in there. People just act like assholes about it on the internet. True. I think those are all Russian bots just to get us all cranked up. I think some of them are real people, unfortunately, because some of them have been people I know, and it's <laughs> disheartening. It's 
<laughs> yeah, there's at least some of them that are real. Well, yeah. they don't listen to our podcast, that's for sure. Especially not after this. <laughs> <laughs> last last words on, uh, on Andor? Uh, Andor is phenomenal. The writing is great. The acting is phenomenal. The the show is gorgeous, uh, and I'm just I'm just really excited to go on the rest of the ride. Mm. There's a ride too. <laughs> I, I they're doing such a good job. The Gilroys are masters at their craft. I'm so excited about this show, and I really hope it becomes a Star Wars soon. Here's ten dollars. Go see a Star Wars. <laughs> There's a New Hope just around. I mean, chronologically, the New Hope comes comes out real real soon. So as it, uh, it's put like them all together. Four years, four years out. Come on. Yeah, the twenty four episodes are going to cover the course of five years, and that basically ends with Rebels or with uh, Rogue One. Great. But yeah, it's it's kill. It's 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 so good, and it just it's. I love being excited about a Star Wars thing again, and I like mm-hmm. being excited for the episodes to drop and to and to really go through some emotional paces with the stuff, as opposed to just oh yeah, but I'll bet they're gonna do this. Yep, they did it, <laughs> and now I'll bet this happens. Yeah, oh yeah, look at that. I mean, it's it's just it's fun to be to have fun again and to be surprised. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I love being surprised. The writing's phenomenal. Um, you know what does take force powers? Giving people gold stars. I mean, you can exercise your Jedi powers by simply going to iTunes or Spotify and just hitting the five-star button, giving us some love, showing your quality. Oh, you know who doesn't give five stars to podcasts like us? Racists? Siths? I, I mean, oh, the, the list of despicable people. And they all work for the Empire. The whole basket of them. <laughs> Please, DJ Wilson. That's why you're here. Revenge. <laughs> and he's Daniel Mothershed. Working with other people is not very easy. <laughs> I suppose I'm Jeff Cook. We win or everyone dies. You want to know why, Daniel? Because this is the way. This is the way. All right, you guys get marathon podcaster badges. Six hours, my brothers. That's some heavy lifting. You're listening to the Grand Army of the Republic broadcast, the voice of the Outer Rim.